This is an ABC podcast. They built a garden oasis surrounding their house in the middle of outback Australia. It acted as a shield from the devastation of drought on the land and then illness hit and they had to sell. Welcome to Three Bags Full, a landline podcast updating you on the TV stories you loved. This is the story of Dumfries Station and the Outback Oasis. Hello, I'm John Taylor. In 2016, Courtney Wilson looked northwest from Brisbane to drought-affected country, and what she found was an amazing green garden surrounding a stunning heritage homestead. That's right, g'day, John. I actually came across Dumfries, or the Outback Oasis, which is near Blackall in western Queensland. I saw an aerial photograph on the internet, and it was just amazing. It was literally brown, barren paddocks, nothing really that you could see on the outskirts and in the middle of it, a homestead that was just surrounded by what looked like an English countryside garden. It's, it's really remarkable. So it, it piqued my interest and I went looking to see who was responsible for this beautiful garden and what it was all about. We're on Dumfries Station, southeast of Blackall, about 70 k's out of town. It's 32,700 acres freehold. And who had made it? Lindy and David Hardy had bought Dumfries in the late 90s and they'd moved there permanently in 1999 and when they moved there it was just an old, very old, run-down old homestead in the middle of not a whole lot and Lindy decided that she she was going to attack it and bring her green thumbs to it. When I first went there I'd say to people, you know, what can I plant, what grows here? And everyone would just tell me to plant natives. And I'm not a native girl. I love glossy green leaves. I love a bit of formality. And so she set to work um, creating her own little oasis, something that she was really passionate about because she had weathered several droughts in her childhood in the West. I went through the 60s drought and I was, I was boarding school most of the time. But you'd come home and here's this brand new house just like an eyesore, just standing there and just bare earth all around it. So I always vowed that I would have a big hedge around the garden so I couldn't see out through drought. So that has stuck with me all, all my life. Just how big a job was it? A massive job. It's, uh, yeah, if you see what it started from and what it became, it's quite incredible. I don't think you could put a number of hours on, you know, how long she spent in the garden, how many years. I asked Lindy that question and she said she wouldn't, she wouldn't like to think about it. I was lucky David gave me a little John Deere tractor and it had an accessory of a deep ripper. So I used that to rip up the garden, which was absolute bliss. Uh, when I first came to the district, I didn't really know anyone. And I had arrived with a body truckload of plants that friends propagated for me and I propagated. And I was really keen to get them into the ground and I would work in the garden all day, from dawn to dusk. How big a garden did Lindy end up creating? If you imagine sort of two or three suburban homes put their gardens together, it's bigger than that. Actually, she had created separate rooms on her property. So she called them garden rooms. There was the tennis court that she turned into a secret garden. It had a bridal walk. She hosted two family weddings there. They had a croquet lawn. You know, this was a really exquisite garden. There's lavender everywhere. There's bees. There's birds. It was was really beautiful. Did her husband, David, 
help out in the garden? Yes, he did in his own way. Lindy has the mind to do all those bigger creative things. I don't have a creative bone in my body. I just love the blower. I love putting out a little bit of Roundup. Don't we all, David? (laughs) The garden was about protecting her and her family, even in the worst of times. Did the worst of times come for Lindy and her family? It did, and it was actually... I felt really lucky that we were even able to go and tell this story because when I first approached Lindy about visiting to show off the garden at Dumfries, she emailed me back. Um, I was in the office in Brisbane and she emailed and said, I'd love to have you. Thanks for your interest, but I'd be a fraud if I were to let you come out here. My garden's not in a good state. I'm not in a good state mentally. I've had to step back from the gardening because I can't physically go out there because I've had to let things die. So when the house dam dried up at I think it was at the beginning of 2015, then she was competing with the cattle that they had left on their station for water and obviously the livestock went out. So Lindy had to make some choices. She chose she was going to try and water the established trees that really need it and was going to sacrifice the rest. And so the garden was really left to sort of wither and wilt away and that was really difficult for Lindy. At that time was when I came up with the idea of doing a journal about gardening and what you do each month. And that was quite therapeutic in the aspect it kept me busy, really busy, working on it. And so I lived, I lived my garden through the journal. Personally, I think they're extremely important, especially in the time of drought. This gives the men something to come home to, you know, just a break from that barren earth outside. Dumfries Station was a business as well as a home, David, was he happy for so much time and money to be spent on a garden? He was. He learnt to love it and he also learnt to take it over when Lindy had to step back. So, you know, he was obviously headed out to work in the paddocks and was looking after the livestock and running the station. But then as the drought took hold more and more so, they were selling off stock. There wasn't that much you can do as you watch the landscape literally with us. That was when David really got involved in then taking over the gardening from Lindy. And, yeah, he himself admitted it was, it was a surprising escape for him and something he really appreciated. I really found it was another way of um, taking my day forward and trying to be that positive person, particularly in the afternoon. You'd come back here and, um, yeah, just walk through this green oasis and think, oh, thank goodness I'm home. And when Landline did the story then in 2016, the garden was in reasonable shape, though. Yeah, even though Lindy had said, you know, oh, I don't want to show it off, it's not at its best, it, uh, to the, the average Joe, it was still pretty outstanding. Better than and your garden? A little bit better than mine, just slightly. But remarkable when you think, you know, it's difficult to cultivate and, and grow a beautiful garden in town when you have all the resources available to you, when nurseries and all of those things are just down the road whereas when you're living somewhere where they're literally hours from anywhere like that and that was actually another way I came across this story there was a little nursery out in a a town called Ilfracombe that at the height of the drought which is basically slap bang right in the centre of Queensland if you go to a map yes and in the centre of the drought too and um, they'd put a message out on social media to say that they couldn't bear the thought of people with beautiful house gardens out on cattle stations which isn't actually that unique a lot of people on cattle stations have beautiful gardens they like to have somewhere to go to at the end of the day they'd put the Ilfracombe nursery had put a message out to say as the drought gets worse if you have favorite plants that you want to try and save 
bring us a cutting, bring us a part of the plant and we'll try and keep it alive for you. This is the length people were going to, to try and just at least have something left at the end of the drought. So after all those years of toil and work and love and therapy in the garden, they sold it. They did, and it was a huge and very emotional decision for Lindy and David to move on from Dumfries, especially after having put so much blood, sweat and tears into developing Dumfries Garden. Um, It was not really what we focused on in the original Landline story because there was a bit more going on behind the scenes that we weren't able to talk about. Um, Lindy had recently been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and she was coming to terms with that diagnosis and what it would mean for her life. I think she is still coming to terms with that, but we were able to catch up with her recently in Brisbane when she was in in the city for the the birth of her daughter's child. Um, I've been very, very quiet lately because I have Parkinson's and I do have off days where I get really tired. And I feel as if my memory's slipping, (laughs) I have to be honest. But the house I have is surrounded by... Um, eucalypts and um, melaleucas and all the things that I normally wouldn't ever, ever plant in the garden. So now, so I've got my glossy green leaves, I'm trying to do an understory of marais for, you know, for the leaf colour and the shininess. And I'm trying to add my stamp. Um, I grow my roses in pots. I have about ten roses in big pots. So I've got cut flowers for the house. I love fresh flowers in the house. So... It's a much different garden now. I want to be able to go away. I want to be able to travel. And um, if I got too busy in the garden, I wouldn't have that luxury of being able to travel or just walk away, shut the door, disappear. It must have been hard then for Lindy to do the story about what the garden had meant for her and how much work and love she'd put into it and the fact that she was leaving it. I think it was extremely difficult. She took a whole lot of convincing Uh, and when we asked Lindy recently what she thought about that original landline story, what she felt like when she saw it, she had quite an interesting answer. Can I be honest? I still haven't watched it. I think it was a very emotional time. I hadn't long been diagnosed with Parkinson's. So Lindy still hasn't watched the story, but did she get any response to the show? Absolutely. The response was overwhelming, both in in the office and for Lindy and the family personally. In the office, we had heaps of people ring and email and write letters to say that garden was spectacular. How can we see it? Can we go there? This this woman is amazing. Uh, And Lindy told me that after the show went to air, she had a phone call from a friend, actually, who called her up and asked her, is everything okay, Lindy? Do you have Parkinson's? So she had picked up on that by seeing the show, which is something that... Lindy hadn't really been open about at that point. And also she received an interesting letter. I had a beautiful letter from a lady um, in New South Wales. and She wrote, I was so excited to see that you have um, bowerbirds. And I went, I read it and I thought, oh my God, excited about a bowerbird? And the letter was addressed to me, Mrs Hardy at Dumfries, somewhere west of Longreach. I've been brought up that if you receive a letter, you always write back. And um, I thought, how am I going to respond to this? Because I really hate these bowerbirds. They pull out my petunias. They eat the fla- you know, eat the white flowers off the petunias. They ate all my figs. They, uh, they 
you know, destroy the tomatoes. They just, you know, they're just a pest. <laughs> I thought, how do I respond? Anyway, I wrote back to her and thanked her very much. And I said, you're extremely observant and left it at that. <laughs> I was not game to say, I just find the bowerbird one of the biggest pests, almost as bad as kangaroos. <laughs> and how good was the postie, by the way, to get that letter to Lindy? Pretty incredible. <laughs> Does she miss Dumfries Station? How could you not, John? Lindy really poured her whole heart and soul into the place and anyone who's got a bit of a green thumb or has a gardener in the family knows it can become a bit of an obsession. And for Lindy and, and later David, it really was... Lindy even went as far as describing the garden at Dumfries as like one of her children. <laughs> it was probably number one. <laughs> probably. <laughs> My children would tell you that. <laughs> and what's she doing now? Certainly not sitting around doing nothing, that's for sure. With, um, with her Parkinson's, life has changed a little for Lindy and David. As I said, they're living in Blackall now, so in the town centre, still in Western Queensland. Um, and they have both found plenty of other ways to keep busy. Because of the Parkinson's, I can't sit still for long periods of time. I need to keep moving so my body doesn't seize. But I'm enjoying doing um, art courses and we do yoga six days a week. We have a group that go bike riding um, in the afternoons. I manage to fill my days very well. Um, we keep, yeah, keep busy. Is she happy in retirement? I think I can definitely say yes, both Lindy and David are happy in their version of retirement. We are enjoying retirement. You know, someone said to my, hus- said to my husband, why did you choose Blackall? He decided that he was too young to come to Brisbane to sit, sit around and wait to die. I think we're very lucky. I don't think there's nothing worse than waking up and thinking, what am I going to do today? Whereas instead you're trying to think, what can I get out of today? <laughs> And how does the garden at Dumfries Station grow now? Well, John, we've been in touch with the new owners who were a bit reluctant to come on and chat about it, but they were happy to tell us that they've made a few personal changes. They've added a few veggie patches and and cleared a few things out here and there, but for the most part, it it remains an outback oasis. Thank you, Courtney Wilson, and I've got some gardening gloves here somewhere for you as well. I definitely need all the help I can get. You can check out the original story plus some great behind-the-scenes footage on the ABC Landline website, podcast or Facebook pages. Next week on Three Bags Full, the story of the Headley header. You know, they make monuments of everything. Why can't they make a monument of Headley Taylor in front of a header? Why can't they do that? If you like this podcast, write a review. It'll help other people find us. And why not check out some of the others by the ABC, like Australia Wide? I'm John Taylor, and thanks to our series producer, Alina Bachkowski. On Facebook, Nick has been in contact, and he says, Hi, I've been watching your TV show since the very beginning, when you first aired the show, and I've always watched it. My mum is interested in the story you mentioned last week. Some recipes on Brussels sprouts. She would love to get that, please. Can you help? Well, we followed up with Nick and we sent him some and he responded. I think I made a mistake. It was wrong program. I think it was ABC Gardening Show. Found it, thanks. I still enjoy watching Landline. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Nick. And if you want to get in contact, email us at landline at abc.net.au or you can reach us on Facebook at Landline ABC.